Arlington police say protests Monday remain generally peaceful, but say there were, quote, several agitators. Send me another unit, please. Send me another unit. Look what you did to my store. This is a movement, I'm telling you. They're not going to stop. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. How confident should we be that this will be a fair election? And what are you prepared to do over the next five plus weeks? Because it'll not only be to election day, but also counting some ballots, mail-in ballots after election day. What are you prepared to do to reassure the American people that the next president will be the legitimate winner of this election? All right. Welcome back to Into the Fray. So last week I announced that this week I'd be covering the Kyle Rittenhouse shooting and everything that's come from it. But after the debate on Tuesday, it became clear that there's a much more pressing topic. So sorry, Kyle, I'll be back, but this one's time sensitive. This is from the debate. His own Homeland Security director and as well as the FBI director says there is no evidence at all that mail-in ballots are a source of, of being manipulated and cheating. They said that. Oh yeah, there's widespread voter fraud all right. We're going to hit this one hard. There are certain key phrases that are being repeated by legacy media and the left that almost become slogans after a while. We keep hearing the phrase peaceful protests, and then of course that morphed into mostly peaceful protests. We also keep hearing that there's no evidence of widespread mail-in voter fraud. There's a pattern here. These are all lies but they find a word they can use to get around the well-documented evidence against their lie. At the very least, they need to be able to argue semantics if they're called to the mat. They are mostly peaceful protests. You could argue that at least 51% of the people in the street are not looting and torching. Even if a majority of the participants are looting and torching, it's tough to prove. For the case at hand, there's no evidence of widespread mail-in voter fraud. Well, how do you define widespread? I'm getting a bit of deja vu taking me all the way back to Bill Clinton. The statement that there was no of any kind, in any manner, shape or form of President Clinton was an utterly false statement. Is that correct? Yeah. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. If, the, if, he, if is means is and never has been, that is not a... That's one thing. If it means there is none, that was a completely true statement. Notice how he carefully carves his way around the issue, rather than just coming out with the truth. When they say there's no evidence of widespread mail-in voter fraud, do they mean that the only evidence is of small, isolated incidents? Do they mean it's not happening as part of a top-down, nationally organized conspiracy? You can see where the language carefully carves around the issue. Before I get into the problems that are being created special for this election, let's run down how elections are supposed to be handled. It's a fairly simple process. Elections are handled at the state level. The state is responsible for maintaining up-to-date rolls of voter registration and providing sufficient polling places for its citizens. Only citizens can vote. Non-citizens, felons, and those who have renounced their citizenship cannot. The state is also responsible for ensuring the security of the election so that only citizens vote. 
a responsibility that's fulfilled to varying degrees depending on which state we're talking about. On election day, you show up at a designated polling place, verify you are eligible to vote, and you receive a ballot. You take that ballot to a station that secures your privacy, fill it out, and then feed it into a machine that reads and records your vote. When the polls close, the data is tabulated and sent to the state. Notice that you receive a blank ballot, you fill it out, and you feed it into the machine where it's recorded. No one else handles your ballot. I also want to address the difference between absentee voting and mail-in voting. With absentee voting, you have to specifically request a ballot be mailed to you. This means that the only mailboxes that will have ballots in them are the ones that asked for them, also meaning that the recipient is expecting it. It mitigates the risk of mailing ballots to people who no longer live at the address on file or who have passed away. With mail-in voting, ballots are mailed to everyone on the voter registration rolls, regardless how outdated those rolls may be. It's like junk mail, but it decides the future of our republic. Myriad stories are already coming out of people receiving mail-in ballots for past residents, deceased family members, and even one for a long-deceased pet. There have always been serious problems with absentee ballots, a hazard we accept to accommodate soldiers overseas, people who physically cannot leave their homes, and people who know that they'll be traveling. To expand those issues, though, to everyone on the voter rolls, will exponentially expand the associated problems. So now, let's get into the dirt. The truth is, whether it's nationally organized or not, mail-in voter fraud is happening all over. I present to you Exhibit A. We're going to start small. This is from Real Clear Politics. 28 million mail-in ballots went missing in last four elections. Between 2012 and 2018, 28.3 million mail-in ballots remain unaccounted for, according to data from the Federal Election Assistance Commission. The missing ballots amount to nearly one in five of all absentee ballots and ballots mailed to voters residing in states that do elections exclusively by mail. States and local authorities simply have no idea what happened to these ballots since they were mailed, and the figure of 28 million missing ballots is likely even higher because some areas in the country, notably Chicago, did not respond to the federal agency's survey questions. This figure does not include ballots that were spoiled, undeliverable, or came back for any reason. 28.3 million ballots in four elections. Let's do some math. That's over 7 million ballots per election, more than twice the popular vote difference between candidates in 2016, and about 2 million more than in 2012. Back to the article. These questions are particularly relevant as the COVID-19 pandemic is forcing states across the country to rapidly expand vote-by-mail operations in an election year. Democrat Senators Amy Klobuchar and Ron Wyden have proposed the Natural Disaster and Emergency Ballot Act of 2020, a bill that would allow every eligible voter the opportunity to vote by mail, regardless of state laws governing mail-in ballots. Okay, now we're getting into extra-constitutional territory here. Voting is not one of the enumerated powers granted to the federal government. They're trying to use the pandemic to supersede state autonomy. Putting voting in the hands of the states is part of the constitutional separation of powers. Anytime anyone in the federal government wants to do something outside the enumerated powers, that should be a hard stop. The article continues, A significant increase in mail-in voting this fall could greatly incentivize ballot harvesting where third parties collect mail-in ballots on behalf of voters and deliver them to election officials. Yep, that's happening. This is from Project Veritas. 
Our source inside the Somali community explains that as soon as early voting occurs, that's when ballot harvesting of the elderly happens. And one of the places it happens is at Cedar Riverside Apartments here in Minneapolis. At the end of this street, yes. there's three towers called one towers. Okay. And it's all seniors, and they took every ballot. Every ballot. They just every take them from them. Every single ballot. They knock on the door and say, your ballots come, give it to me, give it to me. And, uh, and because of their background, and not knowing how elections work, they came from military government. Uh, that's the only system that they know. And when they get here, because of their ignorance, not knowing how these all things work, sometimes they even think it's legal. So there's that. Let's get back to the Real Clear Politics article. There's little doubt that as the number of mail-in ballots increases, so does fraud. A 2020 report in the New York Times noted that voter fraud involving mail-in ballots is vastly more prevalent than the in-person voter fraud that has attracted far more attention, election administrators say. In Florida, absentee ballot scandals seem to arrive like clockwork around election time. Concerns about fraud in mail-in ballots were serious enough that a 2008 report produced by Caltech MIT Voting Technology Project recommends that states restrict or abolish on-demand absentee voting in favor of in-person early voting. So let's jump to an article from the Daily Signal. Database swells to 1,285 proven cases of voter fraud in America. Nearly 1,300 cases prosecuted and convicted, and the talking heads still claim there's no evidence. Let's get into the article. Examples include impersonation fraud at the polls, false voter registration, duplicate voting, fraudulent absentee ballots, vote buying, yes, vote buying, illegal assistance and intimidation of voters, ineligible voting, such as by aliens, illegal immigrants, altering of vote counts, and ballot petition fraud. So let's take a look at that database. The Heritage Foundation has this nice interactive map. I'm just going to click on California first. All right, what have we got here? Buying votes, ballot petition fraud, buying votes, ballot petition fraud, buying votes, ballot petition fraud, ballot petition fraud, ballot petition fraud, ballot petition fraud, false registrations, buying votes, ballot petition fraud, ineligible voting, false registrations, ineligible voting, ballot petition fraud, false registrations, false registrations, false registrations. There's three more pages of that. Let's see, who else do we got? Oregon, duplicate voting, duplicate voting, duplicate voting, fraudulent use of absentee ballots, duplicate voting. Altering the vote count, duplicate voting, etc., etc., etc. Washington, duplicate voting, fraudulent use of absentee ballots, ineligible voting, false registrations, false registrations, false registrations, fraudulent use of absentee ballots, duplicate voting. And that continues on. I'm not reading the whole list from these states. Uh, let's jump right to the middle. Illinois, what do we got? Ineligible voting, ineligible voting, ballot petition fraud, duplicate voting, ballot petition fraud, duplicate voting, false registrations, continue, continue, two more pages of that. It's all over the place. Back to the Daily Signal. Voting by mail makes it easier to commit fraud, intimidate voters, and destroy the protections of the secret ballot. It puts elections into the hands of the Postal Service. Without the oversight of election and polling officials, ballots can be lost, disqualified, and even stolen. If you have any doubts about that, hang tight. We're getting to all of it. Let's go back to Donald Trump at the debates. As far as the ballots are concerned, it's a disaster. A solicited ballot, okay, solicited is okay. You're soliciting, you're asking, they send it back, you send it back. I did that. 
If you have an unsolicited, they're sending millions of ballots all over the country. There's fraud. They found them in creeks. They found some with the name Trump. Just happened to have the name Trump just the other day in a waste paper basket. They're being sent all over the place. They sent two in a Democrat area. They sent out a thousand ballots. Everybody got two ballots. This is going to be a fraud like you've never seen. All right. So more examples. CNN judge invalidates Patterson, New Jersey City Council election after allegations of mail-in voter fraud. A New Jersey judge invalidated a city council election and ordered a new one after allegations of voter fraud, according to a ruling issued Wednesday. The attorney general has charged four individuals, including one sitting city council member and one candidate for city council who nominally won his race on charges arising from a scheme to collect and illegally mail in hundreds of absentee ballots in that election. That scheme led to a crisis in Patterson, requiring that the city hold another election between the indicted candidate and his opponent, because it is impossible to determine just how many fraudulent ballots were cast. The Trump campaign and Republican Party wrote challenging New Jersey leaders. A mail carrier was also fired as part of the voter fraud allegations from the May election, according to a USPS Inspector General report obtained by CNN. The report doesn't reveal the name of the postal worker, but states that the person was issued a notice of removal on May 19th and charged with incomplete disposition of mail. Scott Salmon, attorney for incumbent councilman William McCoy in the case, told CNN his client was thrilled by the ruling. That's the cost of democracy. We'd rather get it right, do it twice, than not get it right, Salmon said. This was a local race. Can you imagine suggesting a do-over for a presidential election? All right, this next one is from Just the News. Yes, America, there is voter fraud. These recent cases prove it. A West Virginia mail carrier nabbed in mail-in ballot scheme. Mail carrier in Pendleton County, West Virginia, recently admitted to investigators that he altered mail-in voting ballot documents. The U.S. Attorney's Office of the Northern District of West Virginia said in a press release in June that it was charging Thomas Cooper, a worker with the U.S. Postal Service, with attempted election fraud. All right, California voter fraud conviction exposes Skid Row scheme. In February, 62-year-old Norman Hall pled guilty in a scheme to pay money and cigarettes to homeless people in Los Angeles' Skid Row in exchange for false and forged signatures on ballot petitions and voter registration forms. Alabama absentee fraud. In 2019, former Gordon, Alabama Mayor Elbert Melton was convicted of absentee voter fraud in a mayoral race he won by just 16 votes. Pay-to-vote scheme exposed in New Jersey. New Jersey real estate developer Frank Raya, 67, a Democrat was convicted in 2019 of overseeing a scheme to pay low-income residents in Hoboken subsidized housing $50 for their votes in the 2013 election. Absentee ballot thefts in Florida. In 2018, authorities arrested Florida man Brett Warren after they determined he had stolen five absentee ballots and fraudulently voted with them. Indiana cop convicted of voter fraud to help father win race. In 2016, Indiana police officer Lowell Colon was convicted of absentee ballot fraud in an attempt to help his father win a city council election. Now let's go back to the last election, Washington Times. A report in Denver exposed multiple incidents in recent years where dead Coloradans were still voting. Some Pennsylvania citizens voting twice. Pennsylvania Secretary of State admitted data showed more than 700 Pennsylvania voters might have cast two ballots in recent elections, yet said she was powerless to investigate or prosecute double voters. Nearly 43,000 voters in Pennsylvania had potentially duplicate registrations in either Pennsylvania or other states, data researcher Voter Registration Data Crosscheck found. At least 86 non-citizens have been registered voters in Philadelphia since 2013, and almost half of them have cast a ballot in a recent election, Watchdog Public Interest Legal Foundation noted this month. 
The number was only turned up after officials received specific requests from the voters themselves to remove their names from the rolls. This is just the tip of the iceberg, Joseph Vanderholst, the watchdog's attorney, told LifeZet on October 5th. Who knows how many are on and don't ask to be taken off. So up to this point, I've been running a pretty high-level overview of the myriad cases of voter fraud that we know about. Something to consider. I didn't have to do much digging to find what I've presented thus far. And what I have here is whittled down to just what I thought was directly related to the subject of mail-in voting. Now we get into the meat of what's actually happening on the ground. For this next part, we owe a huge debt of gratitude to Project Veritas, who have blown Minnesota wide open. Project Veritas, in their usual good form, sent undercover investigators and cameras into Minnesota to follow up on reports of organized widespread voter fraud. Their website states, After visiting five voter registration offices, Project Veritas investigators were provided with dozens of voter registration applications that simply had to be mailed back with no identification, notarization, or other means of verification. When our investigator asked, there would be no way of knowing if someone had misrepresented themselves on the form, this correct? The voter registration worker responded, we're not the police. The website continues. Erin Houst tells her story about how no matter how many times she asks, the clerks in Hillsborough County, Florida refuse to remove her from the voter rolls, even though she hasn't lived there in 14 years. Then Project Veritas dropped a bombshell video. The first part I wanted to play for you is all in a foreign language and translated on screen, so I'll just have to read it for you. How much money do you think they spent? Estimate how much money they spent. Ilhan in this group? They spent a lot of money. I was given money so I could vote. How much were you given? $800. Is your vote expensive? Yes. It's $800. This same man said that he brought 40 other people to the organization who were also paid for their votes. And, in yet another interview, another man revealed that the organization behind the scheme is, quote, gearing up for November. Here's part of their interview discussing the impact this is having. 80,000 of immigrants' votes will swing this election to one side. And then they became very important. They became the focus of this, and millions of dollars are spent to make sure that these 80 or 100,000 of immigrant votes go one way. So it'll make a difference. And it doesn't stop there. They actually have people going into the polling places with these people, guised as translators, and voting for them, or telling them how to vote. How, how do they make sure you voted for Ilhan Omar? They help us. The voting booth, they allow interpreter. At the voting booth, they allow them to help you vote? Yeah. So they walk up to the booth with you yeah. and they vote with you? Yeah. They go inside with us and they help us and they actually do that inside there. So inside the booth, the person goes in and actually votes for you? Yeah. Does, Yes. So you never even get a chance to vote. Is does does he he never really votes? It's the other person. Yeah, they actually the ones who vote. The people don't usually. Yeah, they do the voting. Possibly the worst revelation that came out of the investigation is that, according to sources who spoke out on the record. 
Even the election judges in that jurisdiction have been bought off, and Omar's campaign staff count the ballots. This isn't some small-town operation. This involves a sitting U.S. senator. Osman Ali says even the election judges are in on it. But the election judges Bilhan's people count the ballots? Everything. So the people who are actually sitting, working, are the same people. They shouldn't have those same people doing all the job. So the people that work for Ilhan are actually counting the ballots, counting the vote. And they become a manager in the precinct too. And manage the precinct. Yes. But wait, there's more. The left is trying to push this through at the national level. Uh, This next one's from the Daily Signal. Pelosi's coronavirus plan includes mandatory voting by mail. Pretty sure we've already been over this with Klobuchar and Wyden. Voting falls squarely and entirely under state authority as it is not included in any way in the enumerated federal powers granted by the Constitution. Back to the article, apparently this author has some history with voter fraud himself. At the Justice Department, we worked on a case in Knoxby County, Mississippi where systematic voter fraud was being conducted by a local Democratic Party political machine. A central component of this fraud was mail ballots. Notaries paid by the machine would roam the county, plucking ballots from mailboxes and voting the ballots in place of the intended voter. Now for the piece de resistance, the nail in the coffin. New York Post. Confessions of a voter fraud. I was a master at fixing mail-in ballots. A top Democratic operative says voter fraud, especially with mail-in ballots, is no myth. And he knows this because he's been doing it on a grand scale for decades. The political insider, who spoke on condition of anonymity because he fears prosecution, said voter fraud is more the rule than the exception. His dirty work has taken him through the weeds of municipal and federal elections in Patterson, Atlantic City, Camden, Newark, Hoboken, and Hudson County, and his fingerprints can be found in local legislative, mayoral, and congressional races across the Garden State. The whistleblower, whose identity rap sheet and long history working as a consultant to various campaigns was confirmed by the Post, says he not only changed ballots himself over the years, but led teams of fraudsters and mentored at least 20 operatives in New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania. There is no race in New Jersey, from City Council to United States Senate, that we haven't worked on, the tipster said. I worked on a fire commissioner's race in Burlington County, The smaller the race, the easier it is to do. In New Jersey, for example, it begins with a blank mail-in ballot delivered to a registered voter in a large envelope. Inside the packet is a return envelope, a certificate of mail-in voter, which the voter must sign. That's when the election rigor springs into action. The ballot has no specific security features, like a stamp or a watermark, so the insider said he would just make his own ballots. I just put the ballot through the copy machine and it comes out the same way, the insider said. But the return envelopes are more secure than the ballot. You can never recreate the envelope, he said. So they had to be collected from real voters. All right, let's go back to the 7 million ballots and envelopes that have gone unaccounted for in each of the last four elections. The fraudulently used envelopes would be accounted for. They were sent back. But with a hole that big, 7 million, there's plenty of room for widespread fraudulent access. Back to the article. He would have his operatives fan out, going house to house, convincing voters to let them mail completed ballots on their behalf as a public service. Now is the danger of ballot harvesting coming into focus? What he's describing here is organized and effective. 
And does an entire state qualify as widespread? He continues, The fraudster and his minions would then take the sealed envelopes home and hold them over boiling water. You have to steam it to loosen the glue, said the insider. He then would remove the real ballot, place the counterfeit ballot inside the signed certificate, and reseal the envelope. Five minutes per ballot, tops, said the insider. The insider said he took care not to stuff the fake ballots into just a few public mailboxes, but sprinkle them around town. That way he avoided the attention that foiled a sloppy voter fraud operation in a Patterson, New Jersey city council race this year, where 900 ballots were found in just three mailboxes, the insider said. If they had spread them in all different mailboxes, nothing would have happened, the insider said. The tipster said sometimes postal employees are in on the scam. I want you to remember this next part when I get to chain of custody. He continues, You have a postman who's a rabid anti-Trump guy, and he's working in Bedminster or some Republican stronghold. He can take those filled out ballots, and knowing that 95% are going to be to a Republican, he can just throw those in the garbage. In some cases, mail carriers were members of his work crew, and would sift ballots from the mail and hand them over to the operative. So here he's describing postal workers taking ballots from the mail and handing them over with the intent that they be falsified. Something to consider, even if your mail carrier is awesome, you hang out by the boxes and have conversations every day while they're delivering your mail, you totally trust them, remember that they're not the only people handling that envelope as it transits from you to the election committee. Back to the article. Oh yeah, there's more. Hitting up assisted living facilities and helping the elderly fill out their absentee ballots was a goldmine of votes, the insider said. There are nursing homes where the nurse is actually a paid operative, and they go room by room by room to these old people who still want to feel like they're relevant, said the whistleblower. They literally fill it out for them. The tipster said New Jersey homeless shelters offered a nearly inexhaustible pool of reliable, viable voters. With mail-in ballots, partisans from both parties hash out and count ballots at the local board of elections, debating which ballots make the cut and which need to be thrown out because of irregularities. The insider said any ballots offered up by him or his operation would come with a bent corner along the voter certificate, which contains the voter signature. So Democratic Board of Election counters would know the fix was in and not to object. This whistleblower just blew the lid off of an entire state. And as they say, when you find a cockroach... There's not just one cockroach. New Jersey isn't exactly known for its ethical political class, but neither are a lot of other states. If you only listen to legacy media, you probably have no idea any of this is going on. They're pulling out all the stops to convince people that there's nothing to see here, move along. CNBC recently ran a headline that read, FBI has not seen evidence of widespread voter fraud. Director Ray tells senators. And factcheck.org ran with, Trump's latest voter fraud misinformation. Again, define widespread. In many cases, it only takes 500 or 1,000 votes to swing an entire state. We have a database of 1,285 convictions across nearly all 50 states. We have the testimony of a campaign consultant who admitted to running a statewide organized voter fraud team. The reality is that voter fraud has been a very real thing for a very long time. And making ballot mailing universal leaves the field wide open to those organizations. Did you notice that the whistleblower was not an independent interest, but a campaign consultant? He worked with and for those campaigns. Looking back at all of this should put the 2018 election into perspective. On election night, the midterms, the Republicans had a clear victory. Then, slowly over the next week, more and more ballots kept coming in until there was an overwhelming blue wave. 
Considering everything we've covered thus far, does that strike anyone else as convenient? It sure sounds to me like election night just set the bar, showing the fraud organizers what mark they had to beat. It's little wonder that the left is pushing such an emphasis on not calling the election until all the mail has been sorted, no matter how long it takes. Alright, so that's the fraud stuff. Now let's take a look at good old run-of-the-mill incompetence. New York Post. Over 400 Michigan overseas ballots printed with wrong Trump running mate. WPTV. Voters' ballot mailed to wrong address in Palm Beach County. World Tribune. 223,000 mail-in ballots mailed to wrong Nevada addresses. Pre-filled ballots, absentee ballot requests, hit Fairfax County, Virginia. Associated Press. Some in New York City get absentee ballots with wrong return address. Breitbart. Pennsylvania officials admit duplicate ballots were mailed out to voters. This one's good. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania officials have admitted that duplicate ballots were mailed out to registered voters, though they are not sure how many. The duplicate mail-in ballot issues come as Allegheny County officials have reached a settlement with the Public Interest Legal Foundation to clean up its voter rolls, which reportedly include 1,600 dead people, close to 7,500 voter registrations flagged as duplicates, 1,523 registered voters who claim to be 100 years and over, and 1,178 registered voters who are missing birth dates. Still ongoing is Judicial Watch's lawsuit against the state of Pennsylvania for reportedly having more than 800,000 inactive voters on its voter rolls. With all that, we're less than three weeks away from the most consequential election in United States history, and all I hear from legacy media is that everything's fine. The right is blowing this whole thing out of proportion. We've had mail-in voting for a long time without any widespread problems. This is all sounding pretty widespread to me. There's a process used to track and protect sensitive items called chain of custody. Essentially, it's a system that ensures that everyone who has accessed the item is accounted for, and it often requires there be a witness or witnesses to verify that no tampering occurred when the item was accessed. The more people who are involved, the longer the chain gets, and the fewer security measures and verifications are in place, the more room there is for tampering and fraud. The most secure chain of custody has only a single link. When you go to the polls, you get a blank ballot, you fill it out yourself, you feed it into the machine yourself, there's a single link in the chain of custody. If you fill out a ballot at home and drop it in the box at the entrance to the polling place, there are links added to the chain. There's the person who takes it from the distribution location to the post office, then people at the post office handle it, then someone brings it to your home. If your mailbox doesn't lock, it sits in an insecure box in the front of your house or out by the street, where anyone can take it. Assuming we make it this far, we still have more links to add to the chain. You're one, then there's the person or people who handle the box at the polling location, open your envelope, look at your ballot, and count it. The chain has already grown considerably longer. Remember, the whistleblower talked about having insider mail carriers and ballot counters. And in the Ilhan Omar case from Project Veritas, they're talking about actually having people from the election campaign staff in the precinct counting ballots. Every link in the chain is another unknown. If you mail your ballot in, you have the person who takes it from the distribution location to the post office. Then people at the post office handle it. Then someone brings it to your home. You fill it out and stick it back in the box. Again, provided that it's a secure box and no one can just walk up and steal it, you have the person who picks up your mail, then all the mail handlers at the post office, potentially mail handlers between multiple locations, and the person who delivers it to its final destination. From there, we still add further links. A person or people will be handling the ballot as it's counted. 
we've come a long way from you being the single link in the chain. We've already established that postal workers have been used in some cases to acquire or dispose of ballots. Ballots can be printed and swapped, misplaced, or rejected by ballot counters for any number of reasons. NPR reported in August that more than 550,000 primary absentee ballots were rejected in 2020, far outpacing 2016. When you're preparing to vote this year, look for weaknesses in the ballot's chain of custody and vote in a way that limits or eliminates them. The other thing, it's nice on November 3rd, you're watching and you see who won the election. And I think we're going to do well because people are really happy with the job we've done. But you know what? We won't know. We might not know for months because these ballots are going to be all over. Take a look at what happened in Manhattan. Take a look at what happened in New Jersey. Take a look at what happened in Virginia and other places. They're not losing 2%, 1%, which, by the way, is too much. An election could be won or lost with that. They're losing 30 and 40%. It's a fraud and it's a shame. Now, there's another major issue regarding the election. You're about to hear a lot more about getting rid of the Electoral College. My question for anyone who thinks this might be a good idea, do you think California is a good model for running the whole country? The Electoral College is a system that ensures that the states elect the president. In our republic, that's how it works. The people of each state decide who their state is going to vote for. This idea was recently upheld by the Supreme Court in Chiafalo v. Washington and Colorado Department of State v. Baca. These two cases were consolidated and represent one of the precious few unanimous decisions this hyperpartisan court has handed down. The current system ensures that every state has a voice in the election of the president. If we traded it for a strict popular vote, the people in sparsely populated states like North Dakota or Vermont would be entirely disenfranchised. If we got rid of the Electoral College, the president would be decided exclusively by the most populous cities. I can tell you exactly what that would look like because we already have a well-documented case study. Before 1964, California was fairly moderate. The state legislature was organized after the federal model, with an assembly elected by population and state senators elected to represent counties. This provided the same balance that the House and Senate do at the federal level. In the 1964 Supreme Court decision, Reynolds v. Sims, the activist Warren Court decided that the states shouldn't be allowed to follow the federal model that somehow it was unconstitutional to pattern a state government after the constitutional model. Since then, California has been run by Los Angeles. L.A. is such a population behemoth that even though the vast majority of counties in California are red, with their combined weight, they can't even come close to tipping the scales. In California, any bad referendum that goes on the ballot, and referendums are passed by popular vote, every bad one passes. It's pretty much a law of physics at this point. What goes up must come down. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And all bad referendums in California will pass. The entire state, and it's a big state, is ruled by a single city. Let me give you a real-world example of what happens without balanced representation. In California, Los Angeles had the numbers to pass a tax on the rural areas of California. This isn't a tax shared by all Californians. It's specifically for those who live in state responsibility areas. So people who live in the city passed a tax on people who don't live in the city, and there was nothing the victims could do about it. You know what happened the last time someone did that? We dumped their tea in a harbor and kicked them off the continent. This would be the condition of the presidential election if we abandoned the Electoral College. Our largest cities are extremely left, so we would get one far-left president after another. California has been a disaster of far-left policy for decades, and it keeps getting worse. 
but at least with California, you can leave. There are 49 other states to choose from. A perpetual string of far-left presidents would drive extreme Marxist policy and veto any legislation meant to limit their power. With no break, no opportunity to elect a constitutionally-minded president to come in and clean up the mess. How many of you want California's taxes and regulations coming to your home state? How many of you want that at the federal level? Which is why it's so important to end the National Popular Vote Compact. This thing is the most egregious and overt voter fraud out there, and it's shrouded in the cloak of supposedly legitimate policy. The compact agrees that each state involved will send electors to the college to vote for the National Popular Vote winner, even if the vote in their state went to the other candidate. If you live in any of the following places, you might want to pay some attention to this one. California, Colorado, Connecticut, District of Columbia, Delaware, Hawaii, Illinois, Massachusetts, Maryland, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Oregon, Rhode Island, Vermont, and Washington State. Widespread voter fraud enough for you? Do you want to be ruled by Los Angeles and New York? They've just been bastions of quality policymaking through this whole COVID thing. People love it. Oh, wait. No, people are fleeing those cities. All right. I'm going to call it there. You can find me on Twitter and Parler at Real Into the Fray. And if you find value in what I'm doing, please share the podcast with your friends and family. I'll be back next week. Till then, be informed, stay safe, don't do anything stupid. American people, it looks like uh, if they're interested in continuation of the institution of this country, if they're interested in keeping this country intact, I think one of the things to do is to make sure that people at least live up to the basic tenets of the constitution of this country, you know, basic rules of morals and ethics. If you ignore that, then, then soon the house is going to collapse.